You are listening to Creating Phenomenal for Your Life, Episode 54, One Year Later and First Responders. This is Creating Phenomenal for Your Life. I'm your host, Dina George, MD, a lover of learning, a life and weight loss coach, and a family medicine doctor. This podcast is about mindset. What contributes to a life that thrives versus one that is stuck? We'll talk about many things, some related to coaching, some related to health, and some related to your questions, thoughts, and prompts. The ultimate goal of this podcast is to celebrate where we're at and give form to where we're going in our perfectly imperfect journey to a phenomenal life. And give high fives along the way. Thanks for being here. Welcome to today's celebration. We are finally doing it. We are celebrating a year, a year of you joining this journey. If you're new, welcome. We're just getting started. If you've been on this journey, been part of it, thank you. And a big shout out to Gary. Thank you for all of your support, your thoughtfulness. It is so appreciated. One year later, it's a different place to be, like a more evolved place in some respects and a brand new place in other respects, like still has the jitters and that makes it fun. I am so thankful for you, for you, because you provide the inspiration and the tips and the conversations and all the fuel for this podcast. Thankful for you sharing this with people you know and people you don't know. It's helped us to grow. And it helps others to grow. And that's the best part. I'm thankful that you want more in your life too. And one of the biggest things that I hear is that you want to get out of your own way too. You want to get out of your own head. (laughs) You also want to get unstuck. That's the goals. Getting to the life that thrives. And it's great to want more. Like, can you say that out loud? I want more. I know when I used to say it, it would feel awkward and clunky. And I'd wonder, how are people going to understand or respond? Because sometimes it's encouraging and uplifting. And sometimes the response from others is pretty negative. Like, stop bragging. Don't you have enough? Don't you know you make people feel bad? (laughs) Normal. Normal conversation to have around the lowest common denominator. That's what I'm starting to call these. Lowest common denominator conversations. And it's usually people complaining or commiserating about something. For whatever reason, that can bring a group together. However, it doesn't hold a group together. That's the interesting part. So I'm glad you're not normal. Or if you are, that you can redirect it and get back to wanting more and setting the bar high and having conversations that are around the highest common denominator to ultimately get to a life that thrives. So I want more. It's why this podcast was born. It's why I'm a coach to really challenge my mind and come up with the next thing to put into words, something usable from what I think or how I think or where and how I fall. Cause I do or how I can and did pick myself back up. I want to create a phenomenal brand, a consistent mindset, a thriving coaching practice, and all from a place of what else is possible. Do I have enough? Absolutely. I have more than enough. And I want more. I want to go farther. This really feels like it's just the beginning. And it's from a place of, I already have enough. So what else is available? Because exploring that 
deepening my life, furthering my life, that's what is going to ultimately benefit others to show them what's possible, to show them what happens when you don't let fear stop you. And it means that it maintains that spirit of learning and curiosity. And I want more of that too. What's coaching? I love this question and I've improved my response. It's learning how to stop believing everything you think, deciphering through what has been considered fact and unchangeable. And that's what keeps us stuck and realize that it's all just stories we tell ourselves. It's stories that we can close the old chapter, write a new chapter, and it's okay. So it's kind of like closet organization for the mind. Clear out the clutter, remove the waste, discard the items that are outdated or tattered or not used, and give life to what we want. Give life to what can thrive and grow, and bring in the habits and the systems to support it to quit suffocating the essence of who we are. Amazing, isn't it? It's kind of like going from being a hoarder of negative emotion or unhelpful emotion to radiating positive energy like light and love and gratitude and have clarity and boundaries, clean and clear communication and seeing a lot of possibility and doing things from a place of ease Yep, a place of ease, rather than beating ourselves up or hustling our way to exhaustion. Ease, flow, and it's all perfectly imperfect. When we fall, when we fail, we just find our way back. When we're stuck, when we're afraid, when we're uncertain, we find our way back, either through coaching ourselves, through exploring our mind, whatever you want to call it, or working with a coach. And that's the goal of this podcast too, to look at things from a different perspective each week as a way to identify what's not working, shake it up, and then give permission to change it or discard it or update it, whatever you want to do. Just doing something differently to no longer stay stuck, to no longer think that this is the way it has to be. It's not. Today, we celebrate a year. As a way to get started with the framework of this podcast, I listened to the first episode, That Sweet Girl. Boy, the first time using the microphone at home and recording something several times before it was good enough, and then uploading it and figuring out how to share it. I am so proud of her. I'm thankful for her courage, for all the times when her mind said, no, that's not good enough, and she published it anyways. Perfectly imperfect understanding that the listeners, they can get whatever it is they want, whatever it is they need, regardless of if it's perfect or imperfect in my mind. And the ones that I thought weren't good enough, those are the ones that other people found value in, which I think is funny. When we put our work out there, there's value. We can't control what it is for others. We can only know that there's value in it. All right, enough gushing, but big smile. It's one year today. Woo! How about we talk about first responders today? I love this term as a doctor. We treasure the first responders. These are the men and women who are always available to counteract whatever negative thing is going on. A health emergency, a fire, a safety threat. 
These are the crucial individuals that we call on in our most vulnerable times. We're going to use that term, but we're going to use it differently and talk about it from the perspective of the first reaction of our mind when things don't go as planned. And maybe even during those most vulnerable times, what we perceive as them in our mind. Here's an example. Dina, can I talk with you for a moment? One statement. Potentially a benign statement. And here's where my mind goes. What happened? And a flood of fear. What did I do? What did I not do? What did I forget? What did I miss? Those are my first responders. The internally directed blame and shame. And it's where my mind automatically goes. I must be the problem or the cause. It's my action or my inaction. What happened? It's catastrophic thinking. Our minds, they're wired to notice those problems and amplify them to trigger the fear, the doubt, the uncertainty, and that grabs our attention. That makes us human. So my mind patterns, this way of thinking, it's been reinforced for many, many years. Like I have nurtured this. I've given it my best energy. I've thought this is who I am. It's how things are. There's nothing I can do. It's real and true and I have to pay attention. I have to respond this way. That was my old belief system. And you can see how it was so easy for those first responders to come in. How that that way of thinking, that blame and shame, how it's just going to take over because it's been fed and grown for so many years. So what is it for you? What are your first responders? What are the questions that come up for you? What are the emotions that you experience? And then what follows? Like, do you really indulge in it like I used to and sometimes do? So the questions, what have I done? My mind will go through it, looking at commitments I've made, what's pending, what I may have forgotten. If it's at work, I'm thinking about patience. Was there an unanticipated outcome? Was there something missed? What, what could have been done differently? And you know, we could all spend hours and hours thinking about this, worrying about it and blaming and shaming because of how we answer these questions. How one question or a seed of doubt, how it can perpetuate so many more, all of them fruitless. There's no value in any of those questions and here's why. We don't even know that there was a problem. I have no idea what that statement even refers to. And yet, with that thinking, we've created several problems now. With that catastrophic blaming and shaming thinking, now feeling worried, now feeling accused, who knows what's going on, and identifying a lot of other problems or at least a lot of other things that could be wrong, may be wrong in the future, and all that negative emotion attached to it. Fruitless questions, fruitless thinking. And look at the time that's gone into it. Look at how it's been used ineffectively. Remember that coaching is like cleaning a closet analogy? So the first responders, the blame and shame, it's like going in the closet, pulling everything off the shelves, taking it off the hangers, kicking and stomping it on the floor, creating a mess that now has no value. Because these emotions especially over and over again, doing this on a daily basis or a weekly basis, how do you make progress, right? If you're constantly trying to organize your closet and then every time it comes up, you pull everything off and put it on the floor, 
and get angry or frustrated about it. Hard to make progress, but yet we do it with our minds and our way of thinking. Just notice that. Start there. And what follows after the first responders come? So again, for me, blame, shame. After it comes, I start blaming myself for blaming myself. The frustration from the situation and how I handled it. So blaming the blame. Frustrated by the situation. And it's my mind that has created all of this makes it hard to refocus or move on. It does set up for more self-bashing, especially looking ahead and saying this is never going to change. That's the hardest part for many people. It was for me too, to let it go after it happens, to halt the judgment and labeling of ourselves. And what I think is the worst part out of all of this is that we miss out on the possibility of joy. We miss out on hearing it or experiencing it because you can't hold on to conflicting emotions at the same time, right? If I'm blaming and shaming, am I really listening to the conversation with my boss? Am I really hearing what's going on or seeing that maybe that was a pleasant or a possibility-infused conversation? So hard to focus on the other person. If the conversation was really about me and it's positive, I'm not going to hear that. Blame and shame are taking up way too much space. There is not enough room for love, joy, compassion, opportunity. Can you see how it steals the capacity for positive emotion? How it steals the space to allow positive thinking to come out? It's ready to just pounce on it if it's going to because it's taking up so much room. So all of this means that we're missing out on the opportunity to be present. We're also cheating ourselves from the opportunity to solve problems in real time if there really is a problem. It's hard to solve problems effectively and efficiently from a place of blame and shame. It just is. So back to the term first responders. Again, this is referring to that first thinking, the first set of emotions that are going to come up in any given situation. And particularly in those situations when we feel like we don't have any control. So have you noticed this for others? Like being on the other side? Maybe you walk up and ask to talk with somebody and they have this look of panic or fear. Until you share the context and maybe you hear an audible exhalation like, as though they can now breathe. They know that they aren't being blamed externally, that they aren't the problem. And there's relief in that. And it's amazing. However, it doesn't, for somebody else, it doesn't switch over to everything's okay. It doesn't mean that there's room to have a positive conversation. It just means that maybe they have a little less negative emotion from whatever the first responders brought up for them. I used to have conversations with my son thinking that they were kind of funny or saying things that I thought was funny. And he's incredibly perceptive. Like I can say hello or how are you doing? And he'll say, what happened? You sound so angry. And not knowing that I'm using any particular voice, I just say it. So a few times I would say, why didn't you eat your dessert? Using the voice that he has shared makes it sound like I'm angry or frustrated. And I thought it was playful. Like really, talking about dessert, it's joyous. I thought it was playful. 
to be light in a serious tone, but I see now that it really steals opportunity for joy in the conversation. If he's focused on my tone and my words, and for him, the first responders are coming up, that's really going to block the joy that was supposed to be part of whatever it is I was saying. And I don't want that for either of us. I know I'm not responsible for how he feels. I know that. I can't make him do or feel any particular way. But I can set the conditions to allow for more joy, especially when I know that his first responders may be coming up. I learned this a long time ago in medicine as well, and it was role modeled from a palliative care physician. When making a call, what I learned to do is say, I'm Dr. George, I'm calling from the hospital, this is not an emergency, and then pause. Allow the person to breathe, allow them to identify themselves, whatever it is, to have that time and space and to diffuse something Ideally, as soon as possible, um, but even better if it prevents somebody from having their first responders come up. Or walking into a room and saying, I'd like to go over your test results. I don't have any bad news. Another way of phrasing things that's been helpful is to say, I'd like to go over the results. I know you've been waiting for some particular ones. Let's start there. And it's all about setting the conditions that another person's first responders, their thoughts, their emotions, that they may be less intense. That's what's going to allow for a more meaningful conversation. It's also going to allow for more partnership. And partnership in any capacity in life, helpful. We want the right people to be on our team and to stay on our team. We want to grow those relationships. So having an understanding that other people have first responders too, knowing that in advance, there are things that we can do to set the conditions to be more positive. So going back to where we were in the conversation, because I've given so much time and attention to the immediate blame and shame that came up, it doesn't mean it's always going to be this way. I can tell you it's not this way now. We never have to keep buying into that's who we are. That's how it is. We can learn, we can change, we can grow, we can practice, and we can practice doing new things, thinking new things without an expectation that we have to get it right the first time or that we have to get it right at all. And we can even have immense grace and compassion for those times when we don't get it right or we flat out fail and we can find ways to lighten it up. Oh yeah. Look at how those first responders just took charge. Oh wow. Look at all the power I just gave up. Ooh, that was quick, but now I've caught on. Those are things I can do. Those are things you can do. You can identify what are your first responders. Here's some ways to look for them. If you don't already know. What makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up? What decisions do you make that later on you're going to rethink them over and over? What are some of the things that other people say that just stop you in your tracks? Or what people do that? What is it about those people? Their tone, their words, their timing, their presence? What about them has an effect on you? And the focus is learning on how you respond. 
what your first responders are, how they show up, and see what they bring when they do show up. That's all you need to do. Get started. You'll see that you've already held on to some of your power by acknowledging that they exist. Remember that old saying, the first way to solve a problem is to acknowledge there is one? The first way to address your first responders is to acknowledge that they exist and they show up. You can even start to greet them by name. You can slow them down. Oh, there's blame and shame. Hold on, I see you there. Here, let me help you. Slow down, there's no emergency. Just greeting. You can practice any way you want. You can practice the greeting. You can practice just sitting and allowing those first responders to be there. You can even start to see them as insignificant. What they brought, it's not needed. It's not valued. It's just taking up space. The blame and shame, I see it. Mm. Nope, not helpful. You can practice sending them away, however it works for you. Oh yeah, that used to worry me, but it doesn't. I know I can handle anything that comes my way. Or this one. I've got time, patience, and a team that can help me. You're not needed. You can practice curiosity. Oh, I wonder what that conversation is going to be about. You can even practice gratitude. I'm thankful that someone wants to meet with me that they may have some important feedback. They may help me to learn and grow. Oh, I look forward to what's going to open up in this conversation. Can you see how shifting the thinking, shifting the response opens up space rather than allowing blame and shame or whatever it is for you to wreak havoc? Again, it's all about getting to know yourself and how you think, and what shows up when you're not in control or you perceive that you're not in control. It's getting to know where your mind goes out of habit and really starting to believe that it's optional. Any habit can be modified or extinguished. You can start to rewire your first responders as well. Starting with discarding the old ones and then intentionally turning to new ones. It's your adventure. Like everything else, it feels clunky and uncomfortable at first. And it's easy to fall back into the old familiar patterns. It's like learning a new language. You learn a few terms and then it's easier to just speak your native language. But the more you do it, the more comfortable it becomes. And the more you can embrace the discomfort of change, of learning, of doing differently. It's kind of like podcasting for a year. (laughs) So learn to love the first responders of your mind and discard the ones that aren't working for you. Blame and shame, I love you. I'm glad you're here. Rather than I hate you, here we go again. Can you see and feel the difference between those responses? Can you see and feel the difference between those responses? I love you. I'm glad you're here. I hate you. Here we go again. There's a lot more to work with from a calm place of acceptance rather than a fighting, angry, frustrated place. And you know the same holds true with the first responders in our real life. The police, the fire department, the paramedics. They can do their job in a way more effective manner when they're accepted and welcomed 
And for these essential people, the services that they provide, we only want the best working with us and for us, right? The same is true in our minds. Our thoughts and our emotions, we only want the best ones working in us and for us because that's how we create the life of our dreams. It's not magic. It's the gift we give ourselves, the freedom we give ourselves to do and think and be different, to open new chapters of our life and see possibility, and even to start engaging others in a meaningful and growing way. So rather than waiting for my boss to approach me and ask if I have a moment to talk, perhaps I engage them in conversation and seek feedback all along the way, address concerns, provide kudos, be open to hearing whatever it is they have to say so that I can be more effective. And that really switches from being reactive to proactive. Just one possibility of millions when you decide to think differently. I am sending you a high five on this anniversary podcast, this celebration. Obrigado, which is Portuguese for thank you. All my best. I will see you next time. Ciao. Are you ready for coaching? Ready for more in your life? Want to see what's possible? Then message me at Facebook, Dina George MD Coaching. I look forward to hearing from you.